welcome to another Jew and Gentile podcast. I am your host, Chris Katolka, and with me is none other than the Jewish sage himself, the one, the only, Mr. Steve Herzig. How are you, sir? I am doing great. Happy New Year to our seven listeners. Happy New Year. Open for the eight. That's right. Happy New Year, 2024. We've got a... A fantastic show, but we got a whole year ahead of us of Jew and Gentile podcast, Steve. And we're we're gonna be on the on the move. We're on the move this Saturday. A portable Jew and Gentile podcast. It's like a tabernacle, you know. It's it, <laughs> pick up your bed and walk. Only for us, it'll be pick up your mics and walk. <laughs> there you go. Well, welcome in, welcome in. That's right, Steve and I on Saturday are boarding a plane with all of our gear. If you ever see all the doodads and the podcast stuff, you know, that I'm controlling around here. We're going to pack it all up and we're heading down to Dallas, Texas, to Northwest Bible Church in Dallas, Texas with Pastor Neil, who we've mentioned on the program uh, several times. Uh, He invited Steve and I to come down to speak to um, uh, his congregation um, about uh, what's going on in Israel. So we're going to have a night on Sunday night. Uh, People will be coming in and Steve and I are preparing to talk about uh, what's going on in Gaza, um, and the biblical approach to what's going on in Gaza right now. And So, so if you're a, one of our listeners in Dallas, maybe you're the only one in Dallas. That's right. Come on down that Sunday night. That Sunday night. It's this Sunday night, which, Steve, what is this Sunday night? Do you know what it is? Uh, so well, today's, today's the 4th, so Friday's the 5th, Saturday's seventh. the 6th, and then it's the 7th. The se- so Sunday uh, uh, the 7th, you can go to Northwest Bible Church in Dallas, Texas, go to their website and find the information there. Um, it's going to be a great time. Um, and uh, so we're also doing a podcast from there, not from that event, but me, you, and Pastor Neil will be in his office, and we're going to set everything up, and we're going to do a podcast with Pastor Neil. And I'm excited to hear from him as a pastor um, why supporting Israel and the Jewish people biblically is really, really important. That, I know that's something that weighs on him, and so it'll be great to hear uh, from Pastor Neil. Um, so we're getting ready. We're getting set to travel. We're taking this show on the road, Steve. Yeah, if that works, if uh, any of our listeners would like to send us the possibility of coming to their church and doing a podcast, uh, we're open. We're open. We're not committed, but we're open. <laughs> I like it. You're not committed. We're not committed. That's right. I'm going to send them to you. I'm sorry. Thanks for the opportunity, but we're not committed we're quite not, yet. We're not committed, <laughs> but we're open. I'm not selling you anything, well, Steve. Hey, they could text us, right, Chris? That's actually what I, you and I, I, we shouldn't be having these meetings before we start, um, but it's nice to air all these issues for our podcast listeners. You know, I've been thinking we need to be more diligent to do two things. Number one, text us, 424 444 1948. That's 424-444-1948. That's our text number where you can text us questions, comments, send us pictures of uh of your Judaica in your house. Some of you, some of them, I get pictures of menorahs, I get pictures of stars of David, all that stuff. Send us all the we love shirt. that stuff. And if you're fortunate, we'll even put it on our podcast that's, for the seven listeners. Exactly. And we'll put it on our Facebook page, our FOI Equip Facebook page, and which is another thing I have to remind our listeners to do, which is to go to foiequip.org to sign up for our January 18th class, our first class of the year. We're going to have Sarit Katz from Camera, who's going to come on to do a guest lecture about the, answering the question. Are you ready, Steve? Does Israel control the media. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> what a question. <laughs> she's, what got a all, question. she's got a whole presentation that she's going to be doing for us. That'll and be so exciting. It'll be very exciting. And I think, um, uh, and our, helpful. 
insightful. Yes. And you can register for that free class by going to foiequip.org. And then we're going to be looking in February with Ty Perry, our very own Friends of Israel's Ty Perry, our field ministry manager. Who also has his own podcast. That's right, the Gesher podcast. His podcast is so much more uh, yeah, scholarly, yeah. professional. It's low-key. That's right. There's not a lot of tsuris. Nope. He, he's in control, not like us. And in fact, Chris... Uh, <laughs> we we have to open up a gift. Wait a minute. Before you get there, let me finish my thought, because Ty is teaching on uh, the dry bones from Ezekiel chapter 37, the dry bones coming back, Israel's rebirth, all of it. Ty is going to be looking at uh, of uh, uh, um, Ezekiel chapter 37, the Valley of Dry Bones. So if you want to sign up for these classes, they are free. You can go free, to, free, 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 free. That, I'm quoting a famous person. That's exact. Free, 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 free. Seven times. Um, go to foiequip.org, the sponsor of the Jew and Gentile podcast. Now, Steve, take well, it away. Our assistant, senior assistant, Laura Coleman, who really runs the show. That's right. She came to me and said, uh, "I'd like you and Chris to open up the gifts that I got you for Christmas." We got her a gift for Christmas. Um, and, but it had to sit on her table. She was on vacation as many people were last week. We were, we were, we were on the podcast, but there was nobody in the building. It was just basically you and me, uh, in the building. But anyway, wait, so can she, I say, I, I almost got my hand slapped by Laura. Oh, is that right? I well, didn't, I so didn't know what, what happened is I don't think you had come in yet and it was uh Tuesday morning or something. Uh, uh, and, I come in here and there's a present and Laura goes, oh yeah, I, I got you all something. And I go, you know, like a kid uh, with a present under the Christmas tree. I go, oh, okay. And I go to rip it. And she goes, stop. I would prefer you do it maybe on the podcast. And I said, ah, okay. So these have been sitting They've for been a few sitting days. Here a while. Yeah. That's right. So we've been patient. So we need a drum roll. That's right. We, we, we well, don't... I can't drum roll and rip my present open all right, at the well, same let, time. Let's, let's do it. All right, here we go. And let's see what it is. All right. Oh, look at this. A wait, menorah. Wait a minute. This is no menorah, though, Steve. This is a huge menorah, I think. Look at you blow it up and put it outside. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we have one of these for sale. It's a four-foot menorah. Look. A four-foot <laughs> menorah. 1.22 meters. That's right. All right. So this is going to be in the box for the year. Air blown. That's Perfect what for two people who speak nothing but hot air. <laughs> We could blow these things up with our speech. All we have to do is put it in here, run the podcast, and the thing will blow That's up. That's exactly right. You know what? This is great because we have an eight-foot Santa Claus blow-up that we do at our house. And so we will put the menorah next to Santa Claus, the big blow-up. Happy Hanukkah this year in 2024 and compliments of Laura Coleman. Laura, thank you so much. What a great gift. Fantastic. I don't think we can blow this up in here, though. It would take over the whole podcast. Hey, right? over the break, I had my grandkids over and I watched Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. <laughs> I, one or two? It was no, one. I Blew oh, Up blew the up Kid. Oh, Blew Up is two. Yeah. Honey, I Shrunk is the first one. The first one was Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. But my grandkids told me, oh, no, this is... I said, you blow... There was no movie where they blew up a kid. Oh, yes, there was. <laughs> and sure enough, I found Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. But a that, little baby... Who became 50 feet tall. That's right. It's not an actual blowing up a kid. It's actually that the kid got so, he got like a giant. When I heard them tell the title, I said, who, 
they they wouldn't have a title. I blew up a kid, but that was the title. Well, that's starring a very famous Jewish uh, um, uh, actor slash comedian as well, Rick Moranis. I think Rick Moranis is a Jewish guy from Canada. Wouldn't surprise me. You should see his glasses. He plays a nerd. He's got to be Jewish. <laughs> So anyway, uh, honey, I haven't heard that in a long time. Honey, I blew up the kid. I watched it on uh, New Year's Eve with my grandkids. Were you cracking up? I was cracking up. I can up. see you laughing so hard at that. Did you see the, you saw I Shrunk the Kid. I did. Did I you bet. laugh at that one too? I loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Loved I, it. I might have to go back and watch that now that you've it got me. It is hilarious. <laughs> the whole, well, those two days, I, I, we had them New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Uh, I baked cookies with too much baking soda. Oh, yeah. You had a huge cookie. Yeah. Huge cookie with no. My wife said, wait, I don't have chocolate chips. You can't do this. I said, do we have candy bars? And she said, yes. So I said, hey, kids, you want to make chocolate chips out of candy bars? Yeah. What do we do? I gave them a bowl (laughs) and they they went to town. And those cookies were the worst looking cookies you ever saw. But, but were they, they good? Ate them. Yes, they were. And they bought in. They, they were their cookies. Yeah. They ate them. Did you have to like cut them with a pizza cutter or something I, like that? I had to take a spatula. And yeah, break them <laughs> like a square <laughs> That's cookie. Exactly. That's right. fantastic. Well, uh, uh, that Steve, uh, our New Year's was fun. We just hung around and and did nothing. You chilled. We chilled. We chilled. And the kids were determined to stay up till twelve. And I think the last one, I have four kids. The last one looked at me at 1130 and said, I love you, dad. I'm going to bed. And then I tried to stay up and I fell asleep. So Alice went to bed. I said, I'll stay up. We watched the ball drop. And at 1215, I said, guys, you could watch TV. Just make sure you shut it off. They were watching Tom and Jerry. I said, the Tom- new Tom and Jerry, or the old Tom and Jerry. I have, I have no idea. I watched Tom and Jerry with that's I, Tom, I watched Tom and Jerry when I was a kid yep and now they're still watching it um and anyway i got up early like i normally do tv was off they were wiped out everything was great they behaved themselves alice was not in favor of what i did but they loved it and everything was uh Uh, i see i'm not even ready for it let's see if if i'm ready for it here oh there we go Live and be well. Well, all right. So, everybody, uh, we've got um, uh, a, a great show. We're going to be looking at Daniel. Um, we're going to be continuing our, continuing our study. Daniel's been a great thing to go through to study um, God's prophetic plan for Israel and the nations, which is very clear, very, very clear in the book of Daniel. I'm glad uh, we're done with the math. Forget yeah. the math already. <laughs> That's right. If you didn't, somebody message you or say something about the math uh, that we were doing. You know, we're just praising God that we're leaving the math into we're His hands. We're leaving the math, but but Chris, I found a video that oh, I want you yeah. to start off with. Uh, a, a gal by the name of Eve Barlow, who's uh, a Scottish, uh, a Jewish gal who lives in Los Angeles, and I found her to be intriguing. Because she has, as a as a journalist, uh, as a person who's on the internet, uh, a self described uh, most watched. I think she says no. She's, she's the most trolled. The most trolled. That means Jew on the internet. That's she right. Says. That means people troll her and respond uh, negatively. Oh, I yeah, bet or you. Whatever. Oh, after hearing, watching the whole video was really neat. But I I asked you to just cut two minutes from this video. Because as a unbeliever, which she'll tell us that she is, non-Bible believer, it's hard for her 
to understand what's happening. And and Chris, of all the things you and I have talked about on this podcast, uh, one of the things we have not said is it's hard for us to understand the way Hamas and Hezbollah are. We've we've seen it before. Unfortunately, we know why it is this way, uh, and it's it goes back to the garden. Uh, and there's all kinds of issues. But she's perplexed, and I love our listeners to just take two minutes. You're going to put them in the show notes. They could watch the whole thing. I recommend it, uh, but these two minutes are significant. Eve, you recently published an essay about the the, the Israel-Hamas war and the cynicism of a liberal uh, woke culture in that we're seeing today in the West. You chose to call it biblical. Why is that? It feels... <laughs> You know, I'm not a I'm not a God-fearing person, and I'm not particularly religious. But there was something about actually bearing witness and being here and standing in the wreckage of what happened. It it really brought home to me how ancient the hatred is, how um, barbaric these acts of violence were. They were. It, it, it reminded me of the the stories you read about in the Bible. It felt that way. It felt like. They remind you of this. I mean, all you got to do is go to Psalm 83. And, you know, the psalmist is telling you that the nations, you know, you know got, that they want to destroy Israel. They want to wipe Israel Cease off the map. from being a nation forever. That's right. And she's saying it's amazing that it's biblical because there's so much history to it. But anyway, I wanted to stop there because no, I, glad you that, did. Was, that was something that you had brought up because all day long, which I'm glad you did. I've just been running around. You've been saying, you got to watch this video. You got to watch this video. And it's good. It's so good because it's not just, oh, this is anti-Semitism today. She's really pondering, why is it like this all the and time? She's trying to figure it out, Chris. I, I, as I listen to this, I'm on the edge of my seat saying, I can help you. Yeah. <laughs> I can help you. That's right. We do have an answer, actually. And it, it the, the, that's the best part about what she's saying is it's a biblical answer. You have to look at this through the lens of the Bible. You have to. All right, here we go. Okay, harken back to millennia old hatred, um, a type of behavior in human beings who hate that you would think that thousands of years of of human evolution and, and socializing and integrating yeah, evolution. prevent right. <laughs> people from from having the capacity to to achieve. What well, the, the thing that I couldn't really wrap my head around was was how how it was humanly possible to to commit these types of atrocities without feeling harmed oneself, you know, and, and I, I, I I witnessed to the October 7th um, 45 minute footage very early on in the war. I attended Gal Gadot's uh, screening. Can I say too, what, what's, what's interesting about her talking is that anti-Semitism is really bad in America, but it's really, really bad where she comes from, um, in Scotland, I believe, and yep. in Ireland, anti-Sem. I mean, there is an anti-Israel, anti-Semitic uh, um, uh, reality in these countries that is very scary. I mean, we're talking very anti-Israel, um, and so you know, she not only faces it in the fact of what happened with with Hamas and Israel, but I'm sure she goes home to it and she's standing up against anti-Semitism in her own home country as well. And Chris, she went to that 45 minute presentation and there are other journalists that I've listened to and read 
who went to those 45 minutes, some people actually got sick, yeah, physically sick. And these are experienced journalists. And one of the reasons I wanted you to see this is because she is, she is, she's amazing to me, uh, the way she articulates what she saw, what she experienced and what she's, tr- she's trying to process all this. And she doesn't have the answer right now, but she is at least able to, to report it. Yep, we have a few more moments here. In LA at the Museum of Tolerance. And I remember being totally shocked and dismayed by the level of joy and exhilaration that Hamas was experiencing while carrying out these acts. And then to take the footage that I have seen and have become so familiar with and be standing in the places where where all of this took, to, where all of this happened was a, a, a deeply profound experience. And so I, you know, I likened it to, to biblical stories because it, it feels that way to me. It feels ancient and like a repeated cycle of history. The anti-Semitism goes back thousands of years and has survived thousands of years because it has been institutionalized and it continues to be so. I want to bring into the comments. Isn't that amazing? Uh, uh, What a great find, Steve, because, um, you know, she just, like you said, she sets up the question to be answered because she still doesn't have the answer. And our answer is right from the scriptures. And in fact, Chris, we're in chapter 10. And do you know the news that Daniel gets in chapter 10? I know that it's going to make him quite concerned. It's going to make him concerned, but it's also prophetically going to tell him, and it, it makes him very unhappy, is that it's not ending. It's it's not ending. It didn't end in Daniel's time. And I'm sorry to say for Eve— it's not hap- it's not ending in our time. There's a yet future. It will end. That's the good news. It will end. It will end. Because but- that's the way that chapter 9 sets up chapter 10, is that this is the end of transgressions, end of sin, end of iniquity, uh, to bring in righteousness, all of these. That's the end goal in that verse that we were looking at in chapter 9 before we got up to our, our math. And now we're coming back into... Exactly. Let me just read a paragraph, and then I'm going to ask you to read the text. Yeah. Okay? It says... Because of the new revelation, this is Rennie Showers writing in the Most High God, which can be purchased, foi.org, if they uh, anybody would like this commentary on Daniel. He does an amazing job. Uh, he wrote it a number of years ago. He's with the Lord now. But it's so—I've read it and reread it, and because of the podcast I'm reading, I'm reading it again. Chris, it, it really is relevant. He, does a, he did a great job. Mm. But because the new revelation contained things— which would be hard to believe, Daniel emphasized that it was true. It was to be believed. The revelation dealt with great conflict. It presented great warfare that would take place beyond Daniel's day. Warfare between nations, but also great angelic warfare behind the scenes of international events. This conflict would threaten the existence of Israel. Daniel declared that he understood this new revelation. Apparently, it helped him understand the vision of chapter 8 also. Much of the new revelation was related to things portrayed in the earlier vision. So, Chris, what what Rennie is saying in chapter 10, as, as you'll be reading it, is that the news that he gets in chapter 10 is not good news for Israel. Mm-mm. The end is good. But it's not immediately good news. 
I'll start reading in chapter 10 and we can we can we can comment on it but Unpack it's, it's, it, yeah. so to speak. And so in chapter 10 of Daniel it says in the 3rd year of Cyrus king of Persia a revelation was given to Daniel who was called Belshazzar its message was true and concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. Steve, what is the great war that he's talking about? You know, is it picking up on what was what was explained in Daniel chapter nine with the seventy is seventy weeks? That's what the I would 70th say. Seventy week, yeah. This is the tribulation period, and so Je- uh, Jeremiah chapter thirty, and the it's time of Jacob's trouble, and it's developing that that seventieth week of Daniel more for which is exactly the, which our seventieth week of Daniel, which is going to give him the. Uh, concern that he has. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips. I used no lotions at all until three weeks were over. I've never said that before I in my life. I would not get near Daniel. <laughs> I could a- tell you that. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, if you ever need to do a word study or a Bible study on on hygiene, this is going to be the, uh, you know, the verse on... You know what it tells—we joke about it. But guess what? Daniel was serious. He was depressed. He was serious. He was he he wanted to know. He 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 realized that he needed more information, and he was praying. It says this as it continues in verse four. I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, and I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen. It's interesting too, Steve, the connection between. Daniel and Ezekiel, because Ezekiel is standing on the bank of a river and he receives information about the coming events. And now Daniel's again in Babylon, standing uh, at the bank of the Tigris River. And it looked up and there uh, before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. This again sounds very uh, Ezekiel-like, this, this man dressed in linen. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. And then I heard him speaking. And as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep and my face to the ground. You know, this sounds a whole lot like John chapter 1. Not John writing the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yeah, the book of Revelation. Yeah, the book of Revelation, uh, chapter one, starting. Oh, let's see, Chris, uh, starting in verse thirteen, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's there that's Daniel. That's right. That, Daniel's that's looking da- at a guy clothed right now. with a garment down to his feet, feet, girded about his chest with a golden band. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. His head and hair were white like wool. And white as snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as it refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And then, then when you read verse 17, John says, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Yep. Now, what happened to Daniel? Same thing. He, he Well, he says he fell asleep. I don't know. <laughs> Did Jesus lull him to sleep, you know? <laughs> oh, but the point is, it's very similar to which comes the question, and by the way, this is debatable. It's I I found as I was reading this, I said, "Oh, I wonder what this scholar says and that scholar says." And 
who is the person? Because to me, it seems like it's the pre-incarnate Christ. Mm -hmm. And many of the scholars agree with that, that, which for me is a big deal. Yes, yeah, look at you. Me, I say Excuse this me. I look, I got verified by a scholar. This is you a, are you are Dr. Herzig, uh, according to one church w- here in one, South Jersey. One church, one source. <laughs> pastor, yes. pastor Ding. Yep. Pastor Ding, uh, amazing pastor. I don't even know if he's down here in South Jersey anymore. Had Steve come and they gave him an award and it said Dr. Steve Herzig. <laughs> you are the man. No, that that is how that's as funny as I I blew up the kids. <laughs> Uh, all right, back to serious. Yeah, back, back to the you text. and I. We have a problem, but, huh? You know the the fact is, though, Chris, this vision of this person who's at the Tigris, uh, I believe, was the pre-incarnate Christ, um, and it was great to be verified by scholars. But I want you to read on because after he falls asleep, or after he falls over, after he faints, however you want to word it. Something else happens. Mm -hmm. A hand touched me, and this is verse 10, and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are are highly esteemed, consider, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. What do you think, Chris? It's tough because he was sent to Daniel. But uh, you're you're asking who do you think it is? Yep. Yeah, I do know what you're saying because a lot there are, there there are a lot of scholars like you said, um, like yourself, who say that it was the pre you, the pre incarnate Christ. Others look at it. I know there are some scholars that look at it as an angelic being of some sort that sent a messenger, which is what an angel technically is. It's a messenger. That's what that word actually means. And so um, I know that there's great debate, like you're there saying. Is. I think it's too. Different ones. You th- oh, you think there's two different people here? I think the first one was Christ, and the s- after he fainted, the second one is the angel, is the messenger, because the messenger is limited in his power. As you'll read on, you'll find that it took him three weeks to get there. <laughs> I don't think Christ needed three weeks to over. Now, Rennie showers. This is where great debates happen. I don't think we should be afraid of them. Rennie Showers believes... Because all the answers will be given to us. That's right. Rennie Showers, as I read chapter 10, his commentary, and that's why, by the way, this is a good lesson for all of us. We trust certain... I hope people trust Friends of Israel and the books that our writers write as well as the ones we endorse. But there's only one infallible word. We do the best that we can. We want to be honest with ourselves and with our uh, people who read or listen to us. But guess what? We don't always get it right. Mm-hmm. And Rennie said, as he writes, he believed that that Christ limited himself on purpose, just like when he incarnated. He limited himself, and he was the same person. I believe that the initial uh, uh, vision that he had was Christ. N- not a doubt in my mind, and most scholars agree, but I believe that once he fell asleep or knocked over, whatever happened, that the messenger came, and then they interact. A switcheroo. That's what I'm saying. What do you think? You know, you're Doctor Herzig, so I'm gonna. I, I again, I don't. I think that's a great argument 
Um, and so I'm waiting for your commentary Maybe to we'll come out. Maybe we'll ask Pastor Neil what he thinks. Oh, that's in good. In a few days. We, well, I said to him, you know, we've got— If he's listening to us before the weekend, yes, <laughs> Pastor Neil, be prepared. That's that's good. But the question is—the the issue is that he was sent. He was sent. But, you know, is that wrong that Jesus was sent? If it is the pre-incarnate Christ, is it wrong no, not that the Father all. sends not at all his Son not at all into Daniel's presence to uh, to give him this vision? And I agree with Rennie that whatever he wanted to do, including limiting himself, he he's sovereign. He, yep. I'm just saying to me, instead of thinking it's one, it's two different ones. That's yeah, the way I, I view it. Look at that's fantastic, and I think that we should you should write a commentary. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy it. Uh, you'd be the only one. I'll buy it and I'll read it. And then you have, to, but in the commentary, you have to list everybody's arguments and then yours at the very end. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Steve, let me go on here. And uh, it says, then he continued. Um, and so uh, he said, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God. Your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. What Your a, words were heard. Isn't yeah. that great? Answered prayer. But you know what? There's two things, too. Your words were heard, but then I think God qualified those things um, by who he was. He wanted understanding, which is fantastic. That means he wanted to learn. Like, he was open to learning. But then the other was that he was humble. And I do think, you know, I always appreciate three weeks with no deodorant. He was humble. <laughs> That's right. People were running from him. But, you know, you always say things to me and I, you know, uh, there was a, I've known you for a long time and I've heard you say, I think God will honor that one day. Um, you know, when somebody does something, you say, I, God will honor that. And I, usually it's always in respect to somebody's integrity or whatever. God will honor that. And that's what happened. God honored his humility God honored his desire for understanding, and I think that's really what sets Daniel apart as one of the biblical, great biblical characters of the Old Testament. I agree. No, I agree. And boy, this chapter just—this uh, has really blessed my soul as I've read uh, this chapter for, for this, just to see Daniel, how he acted, how the prayer was answered— it's just great. So we're going to pick up, Steve. How about we do this? We'll pick up next week with Neil. That's right. Uh, we we have Daniel humbled. We have Daniel desiring to know more. And God's going to respond. Is it, is it one pre-incarnate Christ or was it Christ and said, see you later? I got a messenger for you. <laughs> I, we don't know. We're going to get an answer from Pastor Neil when we get down to Dallas. Uh, and so uh, we'll pick up again in Daniel chapter 10. But Steve, we've got some news. You had a lot of news items that you were sending my way. Uh, over the past couple days. We chose three. We'll do the next three while we're in Dallas. Uh, but Steve, take it away. Let's uh, look at Yad Vashem. This comes from Yad Vashem. I actually saw it on PBS. The headline is, Jewish girl was poster baby in Nazi propaganda. Chris! Uh, this I love this picture, too. This was amazing. While you talk, I'm going to try to bring up the photo so that we can um, we people can look at it. Chris, this uh, was on PBS, a uh, kind of a documentary about a what the Nazis did. They had a contest, and the contest was send in your picture of your baby as the ideal Aryan, mm. the ideal Aryan. Well, it coincided with uh, a, a German couple who had a baby, their six-month-old Hesse, uh, and they brought her into a professional German photographer to take the picture. Well, 
they, they took the picture. They got uh, they got photos of their baby. Okay. Well, what they didn't realize is a little bit later they see her picture on major uh, Nazi propaganda magazines. They see it there, <laughs> and they they w- w- go back to the photographer. What what happened? He said, "Oh, there was this contest, and it was anonymous. You just send in the picture." And so he said to prove them wrong with all their theories of, uh, you know, there's an ideal race and there's the superior race. I just, I, I knew your family. I sent in the, the picture and it won. It won. That's amazing. A Jewish girl, the perfect Aryan. She's not blonde. She doesn't have blue eyes. Definitely a beautiful baby, but this created a huge problem for the family, which ultimately got out of Germany, but they had to keep her under the under wraps. They didn't want their daughter outside. So the, eventually they fled to France. Obviously, France would be attacked. And they, they finally came out and they were they survived the Holocaust. But that picture of their daughter is the ideal Nazi. <laughs> and she's Jewish. It says this. It turned out that the photographer, unbeknownst to the Levinson family, along with his submission of 10 other pictures, had thrown in Hesse's baby photo as well, which ended up winning the contest. The irony of the fact that a Jewish baby had won Nazi propaganda contest designed to showcase the ideal Aryan child set up by the office of Goebbels. Uh, uh, Goebbels was the, the propaganda minister. It was you not, can't make this up. <laughs> was not lost on Hesse's mother, who later said, quote, I wanted to allow myself the pleasure of the joke. Hesse's photo was also later redistributed on postcards throughout Germany and even made it as far as present-day Lithuania. Isn't that amazing? I I think that is hilarious and greatly sad as well. It's it's one of those things, you know, Chris, there's books written on the humor in the Holocaust. I don't know if you're aware of that. Humor in the Holocaust. One of the things that categorizes many Jewish people is no matter how bad things get— bad awful they try to find humor in it that's right we're trying to get you actually to develop because that's where jewish humor comes from uh is years and years you know uh what um eva what was her name again eva uh Be- the the girl yeah barrel yeah uh so she had said it's barlow b-a-r-l-o-w eve barlow that's right she said that um there's millennia of anti-semitism well you know, you could either just be sad about it all the time or you could crack jokes toward it. And so that's why we have a class that we're working up for FOI Equip in the future of Steve teaching the history of Jewish humor. So somehow we have to we have to hone you in so you can give a class on the history of Jewish humor. I'll have to do that. But well, I, want you, I want you to hear this Steve, uh, too, Steve. It says this. After fleeing Germany to Paris in 1938, the family later escaped to France in 1941 and fled from the Nazi-occupied north to Vichy, France, Uh, And from there, through Spain and Portugal, before boarding a ship to Cuba. After years in Cuba, in 1949, the family immigrated to the United States despite being committed Zionists. And it says this, quote, my strongest memory from childhood was running away. My father told me once that when there would be a Jewish state, there would be no more running away. Isn't that great? Great line. Isn't that great? That. That is to me. That was a great story, Chris. Why don't you give us one? Yep. So the next, uh, the the next news one that I want to bring up is a Hamas deputy head, Sela Arori, 
killed an alleged Israeli drone strike in Beirut. Uh, this comes from the Jerusalem Post. Big news, Chris. This, this is, is huge. big news. Yep. Hamas leader Ismail Hanania expressed outrage at the assassination, stating, quote, the occupation's assassination of Arori and his brother is a complete terrorist act. So let's just say this. Israel has vowed. I mean, the moment, the moment that October 7th happened, Israel was on a mission to eliminate uh, uh, Hamas leadership, which w- were the ones who led the charge um, for for what happened on October 7th. They're the ones who funded it, trained it, made it happen. So immediately they have a target on their back and it doesn't matter where they are. That's the problem with Hamas leadership too, is that Hamas leadership is not just in um, in Gaza. No, Hamas is living the dream. The leadership's living the dream up in Lebanon. They're out there. They're, they're, uh, their top leadership is in Qatar, uh, staying in nice hotels while their people suffer. I was even listening. I forget who it was. It might have been Hugh Hewitt. He was reading an article, Steve, that said Hamas is the most funded and um, uh, uh, wealthiest terrorist organization in the world. And not only does that money come in from other countries, but they also tax their own people for terrorism. So the people who are now dealing with the the aftermath of October 7th in Gaza were the ones who paid taxes to help make it happen. Chris, if your last name is Nasrallah and you live in Lebanon yes. and you see this, <laughs> right. you are you better I'm underground, buddy. You better <laughs> underground. <laughs> they will find you. That's right. <laughs> this is amazing technology. Uh in fact, there uh, the news that I read today is it wasn't a drone. It was a missile. Which means they must have known where he was, 100%. maybe with the drone, but the drone didn't deliver the goods. All I got to say is wherever you are, We're gonna, they will find you. They're on a, I don't think the world has taken Israel seriously because Israel over the years has done nothing but show patience to the leadership in Gaza, uh, the leadership of Hamas. They've showed them patience. So when Hamas again starts to launch rockets, Steve, over the past several years, what happens? Israel goes in, does an operation, and then they leave. They leave. And what does that do? It only empowers them to do it again. They had several operations. This time, there is no more operation to go back in and do it again. The leadership has a bullseye on their back, and Israel is coming for them. And so this this is the second in command, it seems like, for Hamas, who's been taken down. Um, and this all comes from Jerusalem Post. So there you go. Well, the final one from the Jerusalem Post. Again, the world awakens to the Houthi threat analysis. Yeah, this is an Chris, analysis. This is one that I want our listeners. What's happened when you hear about the Houthis? I, it, I when I first heard about it months ago about the Houthis in Yemen, I said, oh, a little small. What are they going to do? Yeah, yeah, what are they going to do? Well, what they're doing is affecting how you and I buy things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the and the point of this article, it starts off by saying. More countries are beginning to realize the threat the Iran-backed Houthis pose to the Middle East and to the global economy. There it is. Global economy. For two months, the Houthis have been increasing threats to shipping. They have, they have so far had almost total impunity. However, things are beginning to change. So uh, this, this involves uh, the geopolitical world. Uh, what is President Biden going to do? So far, they've done a couple of things, but it hasn't been a lot of things, and it's affecting 
at possibly affecting the global economy, Chris. I thought this was an interesting headline. Well, it says the statement says that 44 countries, including the U.S., um, have a broad consensus on the threats in the Red Sea because they are they control that strait that the shipping passes through. That's a narrow area. And if when they create, when the Houthis are going in there and boarding these ships and killing people and stopping trade, I mean, they are, they're right at the bottleneck of, of uh, the trade that's going through um, the Red Sea. And so it says this, these 44 countries have a broad consensus on the threats, and it says ongoing Houthi attacks in the Red Sea are illegal, unacceptable, and profoundly destabilizing. There is no lawful justification for internationally targeting civilian shipping and naval vessels. But so far, Chris, very little has been done. They've done a few things, but not much. It says attacks on vessels, including commercial vessels using unmanned aerial vehicles, small boats, and missiles, including the first use of anti-ship ballistic missiles against such vessels, are a direct threat to the freedom of navigation that serves as a bedrock of global trade and one of the most critical waterways, the joint statement says we should keep our eye on this that we should and it should be noted too is that that again the houthis you, you you're right steve because what you think about is hamas and you think about hezbollah and you hear about these other terrorist organizations and the houthis are always those people that you're like oh i've never no, i don't know what they're doing well now they've been activated these people the houthis have there's always been issues and who have they been activated by that's the whole point they are a Iranian-backed uh, uh, terrorist organization. The you got to give it to them. They they don't they don't get dirty at all. No. They're the quarterback, and they got in their front line. They've got Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Houthis, and they say, "Keep my uniform clean." And think about, I mean, it, you, you, they are in. They are messing up. They are disrupting international trade. And uh, again, you, what happens in your mind is you think uh, Houthis in Yemen, they must not be organized. They must not have. No, they're organized. They're funded. They have missiles. They've been launching missiles from Yemen toward Israel, uh, and which yep. has been a problem. So again, something to be watching. Wow, Chris. What a, what a podcast. I'm so telling far. you, a lot going on. But we have our Yiddish word of the day because Steve, not only are we talking about Daniel here and I, Daniel was, he was worried. He was frustrated. He was, he was sweating bullets. I mean, you could see he was stressed about the message, and then he gets a, he sees this messenger coming. Uh, well, I was going to use the word plots, but we already used that Yeah, word. that one means to fall over. That's right. And he did fall over. When he saw the pre-incarnate Christ, boom, he was, uh, yeah, was he over. Plots. Yeah, he, he plots. He plots But that's right not down. our word. No, that's not Be our word uh, because... The other thing, too, is that, Steve, we've been talking about all these things, and there's a lot of reasons to be concerned when you look at what's going on in the world. I think Daniel's concerns are the same concerns that we're looking at as well. And so 100%. that's why you chose the Yiddish word. Why don't you say what it is? We're verklempt. Verklempt. Ay, ay, ay. What? My head is spinning. It's like... It's like COVID fog. What is going on here? I'm verklempt. He's verklempt. I'm verklempt. But you know what, Steve? We don't have to be verklempt in not Christ. Not at all. In Christ, in we are not. In Christ, it's cleaned out. That's right. No verklempt in Christ. But sometimes when you open the news, you go, ay, ay, Hey, Daniel ay. took one look at that guy, and just like John, when he did it, and boom, they were on the floor. Verklempt. Boom. <laughs> it was done. <laughs> All right, everyone, our Yiddish word of the day is verklempt. I hope that you're not too verklempt, but uh, put your faith in the Lord Jesus and have joy in him. And Text us if you're verklempt. Yeah, 424-444-1948. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for being a part of the Jew and Gentile podcast. Uh, be sure to go to foiequip.org, and there you can register for our upcoming class on January 18th, 7.30 p.m., live, online. 
uh, with uh, Sarit Katz from Camera, who's going to be answering the great question, does Israel control the media? Go to foiequip.org, and there you can register for that free class. Hey, don't forget also that you can get your mug on a mug. Steve, where's your mug on a My mug? mug. Show there it is. There you go. When you get when you donate $10, uh, you get a mug on a mug um, by going to foi.org forward slash mugs, and there you can get your mug on a mug, and every donation helps to expand the work of what we're doing here with FOI Equip. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being a part of the uh, Jew and Gentile podcast. Steve, we'll see you in Dallas. See you in Dallas.